The tomb is empty. That's why we're here today. That's why 2,000 years, yes. <laughs> they've, tried to, they've tried to silence that thing from the day after it happened until now and ain't nobody succeeded yet. Amen. One of these days, just as Lord was singing, he's coming back again. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter number 13. Not normally a, a place where we would talk about an Easter message. It's actually a sermon by the Apostle Paul. It was being challenged by the Jews in Antioch this great man of God who had been so changed. Now let me tell you just a little bit about Paul to, to give you some context to this sermon. Paul was an enemy of Jesus. He was a Pharisee, a religious leader of the Jews. He was a person who had been trained in Jewish tradition, trained in Jewish customs, trained in the law of the Jewish people. And, and when Jesus walked upon this earth, uh, he made some claims that the Jewish leaders did not like. He said, I and the Father am one, we're equal. He said he was going to die, and in three days he was going to rise again. And in saying that, he was telling the Jewish leaders that he had power to be eternal. All the way back to the burning bush. Most of you know the story of Moses. When Moses said, who am I going to say sent me? And he said, tell them that the I am sent you, the self-existent one, the one who always has been and always is and always will be. And when Jesus made these claims, he was saying, I am that God, the I am in the flesh. As a matter of fact, he looked at the Pharisees uh, one time, and they were asking him questions about how he could know so much. And, uh, you know, he was a son of Abraham. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Meaning, hey, I was around long before Abraham, even though that was a couple of thousand years ago. So he was making a claim that I'm God. I rise again. I've got power over death and they didn't like that well Paul was on that team that didn't like that so after the resurrection Paul said about destroying this movement that had been started called Christianity and he went about persecuting Christians and he would literally go and arrest them and bring them before the leaders there round in Jerusalem and round about that area over in the Syria and Damascus and different places. And he would round them up and they would say to them, you better shut your mouth or bad things are going to happen. Well, that didn't work because they, they'd seen the risen Lord and they wasn't going to shut their mouth, so they kept on talking. Well, lo and behold, Paul, this enemy, I mean, he was zealous. He was, he was into that thing. He was uh, doing everything in his power to stop this Christianity. He was on a road to Damascus and there was a light shone from heaven. And literally the risen Lord appeared and, and spoke to Paul. And he said, Paul, why are you kicking against this thing we're trying to do and trying to stop it? And, and Paul fell down on his face as if dead. And that same Lord spoke to him and said, Paul, I'm going to change you. 
Paul, I'm going to turn you from an enemy of the gospel, an enemy of Christianity, into the greatest ambassador that the world will ever know. Paul, you're literally going to change the world, not for the Jewish nation, but for the kingdom of God through the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what happened? That's exactly what happened. Paul was changed completely. Now, I say all that to say this. That is a powerful statement to make, a powerful context when we hear what Paul is going to say here in Acts chapter 13. He wasn't raised in a Christian home. He didn't know anything about Christianity. He wasn't taken to church as a good little boy and all of that and shown everything to do. No, he was literally an enemy foreign to the ways and the thoughts and the love of Christianity. And now we're going to hear what the Apostle Paul says as he preaches to his brothers in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 13, verse number 26. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you, that's us that feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. He didn't leave anybody out. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets. I mean, it had been predicted, prophesied, the Messiah's coming. Everything about his life had already been laid out. Which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him, the cross. He's died for our sins. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they, Pilate, that he should be slain. Speaking of Jesus. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, thousands of years of history and prophecy... They took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulchre or a grave. But listen to this in verse 30. From an enemy of the gospel, but God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. It wasn't a private thing. They're his witnesses unto the people, and we declare unto you glad tidings. Hey, listen, his resurrection was not bad news. It's good news how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children. What was those promises? Well, all the way back in Genesis, he told Abraham that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is written also in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. Jesus saw the grave one time. Thank God he'll never ever see a grave again. He said on this wise or this way, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he has said in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see Corruption. He didn't rot in the ground. No, he got up. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers, and his body saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Now that sure mercies of David is that one of these days, that body that saw corruption will be remade, reformed, and rejoined with the Spirit that lives forever. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you what? The forgiveness of sin. We all have a need of that, for all have sinned and come short 
of the glory of God and by him all that believe. Now listen to that, hear that, that's very important. And by him, not just by him, but by him all that believe are justified from all things. Sin is done away with, declared innocent and righteous before God from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Our good works ain't good enough. It takes something better. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we have opened up your word and read your scripture. And Father, just as I've said time and again, Lord, I want to present the good news of the gospel this morning in such a way that even a child could understand it. But Father, whether it's a child, whether it's a doctor of philosophy, or anywhere in between, I know one thing that Jesus saves. God, I pray that message of salvation would be so clear in our heart that the saint would rejoice and be willing to tell it and that the sinner would be able to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Billy Graham once said, if I were an enemy of Christianity, I would aim right at the resurrection because that's the heart of the whole matter. There was a philosopher, Cyril Job. He was once asked, if you could ask one question and be sure of getting the right answer, what would it be? And without a moment's hesitation, he replied, did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? Indeed, that is the question of all questions. Now, to say that Jesus died is one thing. People have been dying since the beginning of man, and when sin entered into the garden, men and women, boys and girls, have died, even to say that he died so that he could help others. People have done that in the past. Even to make the claim that he died to take on the sin of the world upon himself, that is one thing. But to say that three days later he rose from the dead, that's another matter altogether. And I want to tell you what, that one day makes a difference. You see, Christianity is different than any other belief system, worldview, or religion in the world. Listen to me, friends. Satan has been trying since day one to discredit the reality of the resurrection. He aims his big guns at it, his smartest brains at it, because the resurrection of Jesus guarantees his defeat, but not only that, it guarantees mine and your deliverance. The resurrection makes Jesus Christ not only Different but superior to every other religion and worldview. Christianity literally begins where other religions end. With the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, every other religion in the world, they can point to a founding father and they can also, sh also show you the tomb of that founder of that religion, Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad. You go back and you name them all and every one of them can take you to a grave and show you where those remains are. As a matter of fact, they commemorate that grave and go to that grave. We don't go to the grave today. Why? Because that thing was empty. That's different. The Bible declares in Psalm 14.1, the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. And if there's a God, I believe there is a God, a creator of the universe. And I don't want to be a fool. So if that's the truth, then that same God is quite capable of raising someone from the dead. Make you smile this morning when there's a teacher 
and she was talking to her class and this teacher was a, an atheist and she was one of them people who liked to promote her views. And so she told her students, she said, I'm an atheist. And them kids in there, they was little third and fourth graders. They didn't know a bit more what an atheist was than nothing. She said, everybody in the room that's uh, an atheist, raise your hand. Well, every hand in the room went up except for one. I mean, they wanted to please their teacher. Little Sally back there in the back, she kept her hand down. She said, well, little Sally, why didn't you raise your hand? She said, well, I'm not an atheist. She said, well, little Sally, why are you not an atheist? Little Sally said, well, I'm a Christian. She said, well, little Sally, why are you a Christian? She said, well, my mama's a Christian. My daddy's a Christian. So I'm just going to be a Christian too. And she said, little Sally, that makes no uh, sense in the anything to me. Why in the world would you be a Christian just because your mama's a Christian, just because your daddy's a Christian? She said, let me ask you a question, little Sally. If your mama was a lunatic and your daddy was a lunatic, would that make you a lunatic? Little Sally stood up straight and tall and said, no ma'am, it wouldn't make me a lunatic, it'd make me an atheist. <laughs> the fool has said in his heart that there's no God. What a difference a day makes. The Apostle Paul standing in a synagogue there in Antioch preaching to his enemies preached boldly that there's one God who became flesh and dwelt among us, that that one God died for the sins of mankind and that one God rose from the grave and conquered death. That's the truth of the resurrection. What a difference a day makes. But you might be here this morning asking what in the world difference does it make to me as I sit right here and now in 2018. Well, in just one little part of this message, Paul shared three truths about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to look at them for just a minute with you today. And my prayer is that you'll take these truths and let God literally work these truths in your heart and in your life so that when you leave this place, you'll be changed. Christian. You may be the most dedicated Christian that walked through the doors of this building this morning. God wants to take these truths and change you. Lost person, person that does not know Christ as Savior, God wants to take these truths and change you. And everywhere in between, God wants to change us by the power of His Word. Three things to share. The physical nature, number one, of His resurrection. The physical nature of his resurrection, it's right there in verses 29 and 30. The, Paul says, And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher or grave. But God raised him from the dead. Uh, there was a story about Genghis Khan. and When Genghis Khan uh, died, he literally had 2,000 servants come and uh, fix a tomb for him and they placed him in that tomb and at the end of them doing that because he didn't want anybody to ever find their tomb, his tomb again he had those 2,000 servants murdered well those people that were at his tomb and murdered those 2,000 servants he then had them go back to the capital and had it prearranged that when they arrived back at the capital that people there at the capital would murder those servants who had murdered those people at the tomb so that nobody would ever ever find the tomb of uh, Genghis Khan. As a matter of fact, he had the ears of those people who murdered the ones who done the murdering cut off 
before they got back so that they couldn't tell them where that tomb was before he had them murdered. He didn't want anybody to find the tomb. Now, the interesting thing, we know that the remains of Genghis Khan are somewhere. We don't know where the tomb is. But with the Lord Jesus Christ, we know exactly where the tomb is. We've got historical, archaeological evidence that supports exactly where his tomb is. But listen, we don't know where the remains are today. Not because we can't find the tomb, but because that tomb is empty. There's people that may say the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes no difference to me. Uh, Jesus was a good moral teacher. And I'm going to follow him. But I want to tell you something today. The physical, literal resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is all important because it tells us that he was truthful in the claims that he made. The very first point that Paul made is when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, all the prophecy that had been written, when all of that was fulfilled, hundreds of prophecies, they took him down from the tree, they laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. Every other worldview, belief system, religion in the world speaks of a leader who was once alive but is now dead. The New Testament of the Bible does not preach or teach a Christ who was alive and is now dead, but is a Christ who was dead and is now alive. Now understand this, Jesus' resurrection wasn't like other, like Lazarus. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus got old and continued to age. And at some point he still died. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus was the first uh, fruits, that is, he's got a new kind of body, a perfect body, no longer subject to decay, no longer subject to disease or death. Over and over in the New Testament, the literal, physical resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is talked about. The disciples took his feet. Uh, Thomas stuck his hand in his side. Jesus broke bread with the disciples. Uh, he uh, said, Behold my hands and feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones. Jesus himself said, A spirit does not have flesh and bones. It was a literal, physical resurrection. Number two, the experiential knowledge of that resurrection right there in verse number 31. Catch this. And when and he was seen many days of them which came up from Galilee to Jerusalem who are his witnesses unto the people. Uh, now there's one thing that nobody disputes even either then or now that on that Sunday the tomb was empty, the body was gone. At least five people who went to the tomb confirmed it. Uh, there was, ne matter of fact, there's never been a single person to deny that the tomb was empty. Uh, incidentally, it's not that the, the four gospels that explain the resurrection; it's the resurrection that explains the four gospels. And just a matter of a few weeks after that, now you stop and think about this: uh, the experiential knowledge of that resurrection. The apostle Peter, who had just 
a few weeks before, literally quaked in his boots, lied, and said, I don't know this Jesus man. I ain't had nothing to do with him. Me and him ain't buddies. We don't hang around together. I'm not a follower of his because he's worried that they're going to chop his head off or crucify him too. He was scared to death, quaking in his boots. That same Peter, just a little few short weeks later, stood up and said this in Acts chapter 2. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. He said this amongst enemies. He stood up and said, You wicked men with, who with, by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God have took this Jesus and crucified Him. And that same Jesus that you crucified, God has raised Him from the dead. Now what would so move a man to, to go from complete cowardice to uh, this boldness where he would share the gospel? Well, I believe it's that the tomb was empty and he had seen the risen Lord. If that body had not been there, old Apostle Peter would have been saying, I don't know that man. Me and him ain't buddies. We don't hang around together and I don't follow him. But he had seen something that made all the difference in the world. What a difference a day made in the life of Peter. Now the empty tomb don't prove that Jesus rose from the dead. To preach that Jesus was alive if the body was still in the tomb would have been uh, both foolish and stupid on the part of the apostles. Uh, the presence of the body would say the resurrection is outrageous, that it didn't happen, but the absence of the body says that the resurrection is both possible and plausible. We talked about the things that nobody ever disputed, that the tomb was empty, but nobody else ever disputed that Jesus died. Uh, Roman records tell us that Jesus died. Uh, we've got the pictures in the gospel of the Roman soldiers stabbing Jesus in the heart. The Bible says out of him came blood and water, and they didn't have the medical technology to understand that, but today we do that immediately upon death by asphyxiation the uh, pericardial sac around the heart fills up with fluid and that when that soldier pierced his side that blood and water come out was an indication that we know by science today that he was 100% uh, percent, uh, dead so they took him down they placed him in a tomb well the 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 way the Pharisees and the religious leaders started tried to solve this problem was they said what we're going to do is we're going to go to the soldiers and we're going to have the soldiers say uh, that they fell asleep and the disciples came and stole the body while we were sleeping. Uh, there are several problems with that. Number one, that was a whole bunch of them. There was a Roman guard there. Did all of them go to sleep at the same time? I mean, I got three kids, and when they, I can't hardly get them all to be in the bed at the same time asleep uh, to save my life. You ain't going to get a whole bunch of Roman soldiers, all of them going to sleep at the exact same moment when somebody would come and roll away a big old heavy stone that made a lot of noise and nobody would hear. Number two, those same Roman soldiers knew that to fall asleep on post was a, a punishment or a, a crime punishable by death. Instant death for a Roman soldier to do that. But you know what I find thirdly wrong with that thing? If there's a sleep, how in the world did they know it was the disciples that come and done that thing? <laughs> they're just trying to make a story up to stop. 
this movement that had been started when these women that Pastor Stephen talked about when the disciples saw him. So, it's possible and plausible that the Lord rose from the grave. But then those same disciples began to preach that Jesus had rose from the grave. Now we're talking about the experiential reality of the resurrection. They experienced it and something changed. All but one of those disciples literally suffered for preaching that Jesus was alive. All but one. The only one that didn't was the one that betrayed him, Judas. Uh, the rest of them died because of that. They went to their death not changing their story. And one of them was uh, abused and used and uh, exiled to an island and not allowed to see his family. But not a one of them ever changed their story. Lee Strobel wrote the case for Christ. Uh, a man that tried to disprove Christianity was an atheist. And in that study and in that examination and investigation came to be a believer, said this about the resur uh, resurrection. I know pretty well what evidence is he was. He had had training in it. That's what he did for a living. And I tell you such evidence as that for the resurrection of Jesus Christ has never broken down yet. You say, Keith, why, why do you believe this? Well, let me ask you this. How many of you in here today, you've heard this probably before, believe that George Washington crossed the Delaware River? How many of you here believe that our forces landed on Normandy on June 6, 1944? Right? I could go on and on. Well, one of you that was there tell me about, well, that could possibly be about the June 6. I may have went back further, 1944. Ain't one of us seen George Washington cross the Delaware, so why do we believe that? I believe that with all my heart, that George Washington crossed the Delaware, defeated them Hessian soldiers in our battle of independence uh, from Great Britain. Why? Because there was reliable people who recorded those things, and it was written and it was recorded during the lifetime of other people who were there and experienced that thing, who could have easily disputed that thing. You see, what I'm trying to say is I believe all this because I believe the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime. Now, this is important during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, which records super supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecy. This thing had been told about a long time ago and it was done in fulfillment of specific prophecy and that thing claims to be divine rather than human in origin. Keith, why did you say all that? All they'd had to do was produce a body and they'd have shut all of them disciples up but they couldn't do it. <laughs> the experiential knowledge I've got a reliable record here that tells me about the Lord Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Just as reliable as when old George crossed the Delaware River. I've got to move on and close. I want to talk to you for just a second and we'll be done about the essential need of the resurrection. It's found in verses 32 through 39. And the Bible just says, And we declare unto you glad tidings how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, uh, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten, to, uh, begotten thee. You see, the resurrection attests to the reliability of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He said it was going to happen and the resurrection said, hey, what I said will come to pass has now come to pass. But not only that, His reliability, but it also speaks about our resurrection. He promised that. He said, I'll come back. He did come back. He said, you'll come back and we can trust Him that that thing will be true as well. Number three, it announces the redemption of sin. Look what the Bible says here in verses 38 and 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sin, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. It ensures that the saint will be resurrected, but not only that, it announces the redemption from sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross as a payment for our sin but the empty tomb is proof that God accepted that payment, canceled the sin debt took away the sin, the stain, the guilt of all mine, yours, the sin of the world and justified me and you who believe forever I want to say this what Pastor Stephen preached this morning the angel rolled away that stone from the tomb not to let the Lord Jesus Christ out. I mean, he created the universe. He could walk through walls, walk on water. He can disappear up here, whatever he wanted to do. He's God. The stone was rolled away to let you and I in so that we could examine that thing and see the evidence and come to a rational conclusion. God said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I want to make them things as white as snow. And all the evidence in all the world says that that one day made all the difference in the world. That's why I give you the same invitation that the angels gave 2,000 years ago. Come, see for yourself. <laughs> he's not here for his reason. I experienced that and it changed my life. A Buddhist in Africa who was converted to Christianity was asked why he changed religion and here's what he said. It's like this. If you were walking along a road and came to a fork in the road and two men were there and one was dead and the other alive, which man would you follow? You see, today you've come to that fork in the road. And you've got a choice. I've got it as well. We can either continue to follow the dead or we can follow the one who lives now and forever, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we can receive that forgiveness that we read about there in verses 38 and 39, that we can receive that life that He offers through His resurrection. In Romans chapter number 10, verse 9 and 10, He said all we have to do to receive it is confess it with our mouth. We confess with our mouth that He's Lord. We believe in His death, His burial. And resurrection, because it goes on and says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Now, that confession with the mouth is very important because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. And uh, Peter said over there in Second Peter chapter number 1, this thing is of no private interpretation. If I'm not willing to tell others, then I'm probably not going to get saved and forgiven. So he said, confess it with your mouth. So you say, preacher, what do I do? Well, the Bible says you confess it with your mouth. Do that. Come. I'm going to give you an invitation. This altar is going to be open. And you
you can come. Pastor Stephen will pray with you. I'll pray with you. Ed Collins will pray with you. We've got people. Grab somebody that you know around you to pray for you. And you come up here and you simply say something like this. The words don't matter. It's what's in your heart. Jesus, I believe you died for me. Jesus, I believe you rose from the grave. I, I believe you want to forgive me and grant me eternal life. Lord, I don't know about all this Christianity thing. I'm going to tell you on the day I, did, I got saved, I didn't know the first thing. My mom and daddy hadn't took me to church. I hadn't been a good little boy. Uh, I simply went up there to that altar when the invitation was given, and I said, God, here I am if you'll have me. That's all I prayed. And praise God, the power that raised Jesus from the grave filled me and changed my life, and he wants to do the same for you today, but you've got to let him. <laughs> Christian, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, God wants to use that same power in your life to change the world like he did with the Apostle Paul. You say, Keith, I'm just one person living in one little place in one little county in one big old huge country in a great big old world. What can I do? Well, I don't know if you can change the world like the Apostle Paul said, but there's somebody you work with that you could change their world. Hey, there's a family member, a child, a brother, a sister, a friend that you could change their world, and God wants to use you to do that, but He wants to give you that power. And there's people sitting in all, all over this room today that you don't have that power. Why? James said, because you ain't ever asked for it. Come and ask for it today, and He wants to give it to you. Listen, this is Resurrection Sunday. I want to leave resurrected. <laughs> don't you? He's alive. Lori sung it. I don't think it could be no better. He wants us to leave alive. We don't, we don't serve a dead Savior, and He don't want us to be a bunch of dead Christians. <laughs> he wants to live like we like it, to love like we like it, to walk like we like it, talk like we like it, and then one of these days... Hey, if you're really a Christian, you're really going to like it. <laughs> I have not seen, ear heard, nor has entered the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love Him. <laughs> you stand. Whatever the Lord speaks to you, I want you to come. Don't you let nobody make you feel ashamed. Listen, you lay aside all pretenses. I'll make a fool out of myself for Jesus any day of the week. You don't worry. Don't you let the devil talk you out of it. Don't you let him slow you down. Don't you let him cause you to hesitate a second. If the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you, I beg you step out and come and do business with God. God is still in the saving business. Do you believe that? And he wants to change the world one person. Ain't you glad it ain't some collective thing with him? It's one. Per it's an individual, one person at a time. I'm thankful for that because boy, he showed me grace along the way even after he saved me because I've messed up many a time. He didn't kick me out of the house because I messed up. Nope. He corrected me, got me back on the right road, but I still headed home. Praise the Lord. Are you excited to be here? Have you worshipped this morning? Well, listen, I'm going to say this and I promise we'll be done. Just as I said to Courtney just a minute ago, our conduct, our character, our talk, our walk is really the indication of whether or not we're truly a believer. doesn't save us, but it's the evidence that we've been saved. So the important thing takes place after we leave here today. 
is that the power of the resurrection that we've celebrated today then is lived out in our lives day by day by day until the Lord calls us home to glory. Amen. You pray for me that I do that and I'm going to pray for you that you do that as well. Thank you for being with us. Guests, don't forget they've got a gift from you. Uh, and uh, Come on, you're good. And Yes, praise the Lord. And we more than met our goal. Praise the Lord for Annie Armstrong. It was, uh, we set a goal at $10,000 and we we raised $11,619. Praise the Lord for Annie Armstrong. That's missionaries going and spreading the good news of the gospel through the power of the resurrection. All hearts and minds clear. Amen. Boy, if I... If I wasn't so short, I'd get up somewhere high and take a picture. This group looks good this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't have a church home, we want to see you back at Zion Baptist Church next week. We're going to be talking about I Can Only Imagine. Today we talked about the resurrection. Next week we're going to talk about how we can imagine, wow, what God does with us when we give our heart and life to Him through the power of the resurrection. So you come back. Good gracious, I'm dropping stuff. Y'all have a good day in the Lord. Love you. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. We thank you, Father, that you're still saving sinners. God, I'm so happy about that. I want to praise your holy name. God, we ask that you'd continue to save the sinner, sanctify the saint until you call us home to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen.